What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I'm in the house today. With Shaheen Cheyenne, he is a serial entrepreneur who left home at 15 years old and created over a billion dollars in revenue by the time he was 18. Well, we got to dig into that, man. He went against conventional wisdom and decided to focus on building a product and company that lived outside of conventional wisdom and used tired and tested systems to create $350 million beast whose products disrupted entire industries. Shaheen, welcome to the What Are You Made Up show, man. Thanks, C-Rock. Great to be on. Hey, look, you know, I want to, first of all, thank you for being here. And I also want to thank the audience for showing up, you know, my audience, and then also you're recording this for you too. And, and for your audience, thank you guys. Thank you for being here. You know, half the battle is showing up and getting the information, but then the other half is going out and doing something with it and taking action. And I just want to remind everybody, that's a big part of what I'm doing with Blueprinted, the new platform. If you want to check that out, Blueprinted, B-L-O-O-P-R-I-N-T-E-D, blueprinted.com forward slash VIP. You can check out what we're doing with that with getting people information to get results, but also making them take action. So, Shaheen, what's happening, brother? Another day in paradise, man. I, I feel fortunate to be here at this time in history. A lot of exciting things happening, but honestly, no better time to be an entrepreneur, no better time to make money. And that's what I've been focused on, family first, and then making money, business. Well, let me ask you this question as we stay with tradition here. Let's start with that, and then we'll get into... 15-year-old you. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. What are you made of, brother? That's a great question. I was listening to all your podcasts and thinking to myself, man, when he asked me, what am I going to say? And I thought, you know what? Let me just go off the top of my head. So I think what I've kind of come up to is that I'm made of the exact same stuff that you're made up of, that, that we're all made up of. But I think... What sets me apart from some people, or I would say those that may, may not have yet reached the level of success that I've reached, is that I thrive on failure and that I have had so many incredibly impactful events in my life, some great and some not so great, that it's led me to have very thick skin and grit. And so when I look back at my life and I look back at the things that have brought me to where I am, it's the adversities. It's the, the difficulties that I overcame. It's you know coming to this country as, a, as an immigrant in the 1980s when I didn't speak English and I would get my ass kicked every day in school uh, for, being a, for being a foreigner. From where? From, where? Uh, from Iran. Yeah. Okay, I was Iran. born in, okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. I was born in Iran. We came here as refugees. Uh, just just the clothes on our backs, really. And my dad had to work crazy odd jobs at a dry cleaner at a pizza shop just to make ends meet. And somehow they always just made ends meet, but we were always living more or less hand to mouth. Uh, managed to get a house in one of the more up and coming areas. It wasn't up and coming when they got it. 
And I started growing up around all this affluence and none for us. We were a poor Iranian family. I barely spoke English. But I realized very quickly that what I wanted was the success. I wanted the wealth. And so I had to carve out a path for that. So 15 years old, um, like when, you, when I read your bio, it's like, man, this guy didn't have any failures. <laughs> That's what most people are probably thinking. So let's dig in a little bit. Like when you got to the 15 year old age, like what, like, did you have like, did you have an imagination and then you just ran after that imagination with nothing stopping you? And um, obviously you didn't, you, at 15, you don't always know what you're doing when you want to, when you postulate something, you don't always know exactly what you're doing. So tell us about that. Absolutely not. Quite the opposite, actually. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had no idea where I was going in life. What I did know is that nobody around me had any clue how to achieve the levels of success that I wanted to achieve. So I walked up to my folks and I said, Hey, mom, dad, I want to be rich like that dude in the Porsche. You know, he's got the beautiful brunette sitting in the in the car with him. He's got the Rolex watch. I want that. How do I get that? And they looked at me and just laughed and they said, you know, be a doctor, go do doctor. Doctor is best in the world. And, you know, growing up as a immigrant, Iranian Jewish guy, like that was their pinnacle of success. They could not see any higher than doctor. And I remember walking down the street to the dude across the street and being like, hey, dude, you're a doctor. You've got a house and everything. And he just looked at me and said, don't do it. And I saw in his eyes the fact that he woke up at 5 a.m. And he came home late. He had no time for his family. He was bald. He was fat. He smoked, you know, 10 packs a day. Whoa, whoa, whoa. hold up. Don't throw the bald in there. Hey, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. <laughs> like, we're in the club together. What's we are voluntarily bald? bald, my friend. <laughs> we have taken it into our own hands. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, 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 the point of the matter is the guy was, the dude was, was miserable. And I saw it in his eyes. I saw, you know, he, he didn't have time with his family. He didn't own his time. He was owned. He was selling his hours, regardless of how much money he was making. And I just said, you know what? If you guys don't have a plan, I'm going to find a plan. And I bailed. I cut. I cut ties with my family, my friends, and I went out there. I had nowhere to to live. I I slept in abandoned buildings. I slept in the back of an old Lincoln Continental. And I tell the story often of how I tore out the pages of Think and Grow Rich, and I had it taped to the trunk of this 1960s Lincoln Continental. And I'd read myself to sleep with a flashlight every night. Even if I didn't have enough food, whatever happened, I would read those pages every single night. And eventually I started hanging out at the community college because I figured you could get free food there. And I met a mentor. I write about him in my, in my book, Billion, How I Became King of the Throw Pill Cult. Anyone that's interested, it's on Amazon. What is it? How do, you, how do you become the king of what? The book is called Billion, How yeah. I Became King of the Throw Pill Cult. That's actually me as, uh, as a youth. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and well, I'm showing a picture on the cover of my book. You guys can check it out online for anybody listening to just what, audio. What was the word you said before cult? Cult. Yeah. How I no, became what? king of the thrill pill cult. Thrill pill. Thrill yeah. pill. Okay. I was missing yeah. that. You're, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. The book's called Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult. Yeah. So, you know, I started getting into the rave scene, the electronic music scene at that time. And I started going to these parties and I started looking around and I noticed that the people who were making the money were the drug dealers. But the supply of the most famous party drug at that time had dried up. Ecstasy, MDMA. What year was this, you think? Roughly? This would be early 90s. So I'd say like 92, 93, somewhere around there, I would think. And I decided, I said, hey, this is a great idea. Why don't I just sell this? This solves all my problems. And then I realized 
that I would be really effing bad at crime. Like crime is not something that I was ever good at, not something I should ever do. So that's when I had kind of this like divine inspiration where I was like, whoa, I could do this, but make it legal. And that's what I did. I came up with a formula for legal ecstasy. It was called herbal ecstasy, well-documented. I started distributing it through the drug dealers at the clubs. That was the crazy part where I went in, all these guys had nothing to sell. They're standing around, their supply dried up. And I'm this teenage kid telling them, hey, sell this stuff that I just literally cooked up in my girlfriend's kitchen. And they started selling it. And it started to Yeah. Well, at first I didn't have the money to buy the machine to put the herbs in the capsules. So we would roll them up by hand and put it in her oven. And then I put it in little baggies and each one would be a different size. And we'd go to the club and the people would look at us and they go, what the is this? And I'd say, oh, it's a herbal ecstasy, but it worked. The effects were really great. So eventually I got enough money to buy the machine. Then we started factories. I opened up multiple factories all over the country, then all over the world, went from one guy to 10,000 guys distributing it. And now I'm in my late teens and I have a collection of exotic cars. I'm sleeping maybe two hours a day because we are printing money, literally. I'm making the stuff for 25 cents, selling it for 20 to $25 all day long. But all day long. Cash. Cash business, bud. Yeah. And I walk into my office, 200 employees, all of Venice Beach is employed by me. If you could fog up a mirror, I would hire you. I've got offices all over the world. I've got boats and flying on private planes and hanging out with celebrities and rock stars. And that's kind of the life I'm, I'm living. I walk into my office and the news gets out. We broke a billion dollars in revenue, pre-internet, pre-social media, pre-mobile phones. I still had that brick fricking phone thing that was like, do you remember those? It was like a shoebox. Yeah. Were you keeping track of it? Like you you had good record keeping? So that's the funny thing. When the news broke, Sam Donaldson with Nightline was outside waiting to interview me. New York Times, LA Times, reporters, paparazzi, like they were swarmed around me, you know, in, in the parking area of, of my office was like Ferrari, Lamborghini, like all my cars, like everybody was there. My mind was about to explode. And I realized very quickly that I did not know how much a billion dollars was. I literally did not know what that meant. And the second realization that I had was that, and to your question, was that I should probably hire an accountant at this point. It would make a really good, it would be a really good idea for me to hire an accountant. And I started interviewing accounts and I learned very quickly that accountants are not the guys that separate the pills from the cash in the duffel bags that are in your office and they don't count cash. I, I learned that very quickly. So if eventually I, I slowly started getting a grip on it. But in those days, I didn't. There was literally bags full of cash stacked. But, but where, did they get, where did they get the billion number from? So like- that would be retail sales. I actually think it could have been much, much more than that, but that would be from retail sales and retail distribution. Okay. I think so this other was, people have, yeah. this was the up, up, like, I know it was herbal and it was not drugs. Yeah. But it was on the up and up and like police never bought, like try to get you when they, when you're in the club or a rave or something and saw that people were distributing and Hey, what oh. is this? And did some investigative work on it or. Oh, everybody tried to get us, but they couldn't, uh, there was nothing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was completely yeah. legal. Yeah, so yeah, they yeah. had every, I mean, I became very intimate <clears throat> with every three letter agency. And we were the bane of their existence because if we were doing something illegal, they could, you know, arrest us, they could do something, and then, you know, their job would be done. But the fact was, nobody, what we'd done was unprecedented. 
Nobody had ever taken a supplement and used it recreationally. They didn't even have a category for us. So the pharma companies were against us. The government was against us. It was a nutty time. How did you figure out the recipe? And also what is in the recipe? Like just some of it, you don't have to tell all the secrets. Yeah, no, that's a great question. No, we fully disclosed the recipe. So it was an ingredient called ephedra, which was very popular at the oh, time. Yeah. Yeah, to yeah. this day, I think it was one of the, the more effective herbal supplements out there, but anybody who's going to take it, talk to a doctor. It's no longer available commonly. Yeah. Um, and caffeine. So it had uh, different herbs that had caffeine and a bunch of different you know, plants, I could list them, but I, I think, you know, it wouldn't no, but more uppers, like it was more uppers. And, and I know the Fedra was yeah. in a hydroxy cut and all these different yeah. weight loss drugs too. Right. And yeah, then they cut that's that right. Out. Yeah. 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 Okay. Got yeah. It. That's right. But it wasn't a Fedrin. It was a Fedra. We used only herbs. It was all natural. And, uh, you know, at that time I was a relentless SOB, man. I would just go out there and I had this vision of how I wanted my life to be. And dude, I would not stop. So I would be like, man, I need a formula to make this work. I would pick up the yellow pages and I would call and I might get a thousand no's, but that one yes would be all I would need. And for those thousand no's, I'd show up at people's doors. I, they'd say, oh no, not interested, not interested in helping you. I'd be like, great. The next day I'd show up, knock, knock. Yeah. Hi, it's me again. <laughs> like, what the f- are you doing here in my office? I'd be like, thought I'd ask you again. And I was relentless like that. And enough people saw that hunger, that drive, and they thought to themselves, hey, I'll give this kid a chance. You know, I'll take, I'll take a chance on him. I had people forward me ingredients. I had, you know, just here, front them to me and be like, I know you're going to make good on it. And I paid every single person back and every single person to help me eventually along the way. You know, I made a lot of millionaires, a lot of billionaires in that time, maybe not billionaires, but a lot of millionaires in that time were made from my products. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's mikecrock.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Do you still like, and this is going to take an honest answer here, like you're going to have to dig deep on this one. Yeah. Um, do you still have that drive as much as you had when you were younger? Yes. And waned at all. Yes. And it's different. So now, so remember back then I was in my teens, I did not have a family. Mm -hmm. So now I'm a father, I'm a husband. My first and foremost responsibility is to my family. And so my goal is to, you know, raise my kids and be here for my family. So it's a different type of risk profile that I'm willing to take. Also, you got to remember back then, I came from nothing. I literally had less than nothing. I had a, a in fact, I'll tell you this, Sirak. I had a backpack. And I remember when I made my first million dollars and I hadn't bought anything up until that point. I was still living in an apartment with zero furniture because I didn't know how real this whole thing was going to be. <laughs> and I went out there and the only thing I bought was a new pair of shoes. And I bought the best, most expensive, whatever Nikes there were. And I tied them to that backpack that had all my belongings from when I had no money. And I kept that under a desk because I thought to myself, man, if I lose everything tomorrow, at least I'll have a good new pair of shoes where I can walk and, and hustle and go out there and do whatever I want to do. And that was my mindset. And until just, I think, a few years ago, I still had that backpack under my desk to remind myself of what I came from, where I came from, and the fact that I brought myself to where I am. So, so yeah, it's, it's different now. 
But I, you know, I don't think we can ever have the hunger we have when we first start. But I think it changes because now we mix it with a little bit of wisdom. We yeah. mix it with a little bit of experience, and we mix it with a little bit more of knowing where to apply pressure to get more results. When you're younger, you tend to go out there and you hammer everything as hard as you can, and then you fall asleep. You wake up, you hammer it even harder. Now. Realize that we don't have that much energy anymore. So what we have to do is work smarter rather than harder, and I think that's the difference, Sirah. Yeah. So before we move on from that business, I want to ask you two questions. One: Did you ever have a point because you weren't sure how long it would last, and this and that, where you started to like really hoard some cash and and get really conservative with the cash? And secondly, how did it all that part all end? I never hoarded cash. I was always incredibly good at making money, terrible at keeping it. And now, you know, what I teach with my Amazon course and when I teach people how to make money, I tell them always that you got to start with two fundamentals. There's two parts to making money. One is making it and two is keeping it. And both are equally what about important. the multiplying it. And multiplying it is good too. <laughs> That's good the third too. one. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I kind of see that as a natural form of making it, but as part yeah. of that. But yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I love yeah. that. Well, we'll make it three parts. Yeah. We can add that to it. But yeah. So that's what foundational thinking that I teach people now about. So yeah, I, I, I managed to keep a good amount of the money. I mean, certainly not the amounts of money that I made in those days because I did have a lot of people stealing and I did lose a lot of it. So there was a lot of hard, hard won lessons in those days, mm-hmm. but I literally ended up you know, rebuilding myself several times. I exited that company, kind of just winded down. And the government banned the key ingredients, and I got tired of fighting the government. So I moved on and I was solving the problem of smoking. There's so many people who use cigarettes, and that creates smoke torn carbon monoxide. So I tried to figure out an alternative to that. And thus, the forerunner to vape was born. And I invented, patented the first portable digital uh, vape, which now all the e cigarettes and stuff that you see really were a result of that. That company went public. I exited a bit before that. And then I moved on to teaching people how to make money on the Amazon platform, which is what I do now. And so all this stuff, you had no idea how to do these things. You just committed to doing them and figured it out on the way. Yeah, that, that tends that? to be how it goes. Because the fact is, I always think it's funny when people like have uh, goal-setting sessions and you know they set these goals. And I always look at them and I'm like, dude, you know it's going to be nothing like how you're planning. I'm not a fan of goals like uh, Scott Adams talks about um, in his book. I'm a fan of systems. Like, Come to me with systems and I'll help you and I'll support you. Come goals, it's like, you know, it's a moonshot. Like, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But, and it never ends up working the way you think. Systems, we can do something with. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can tweak them. We can change them over time. We can adjust them until you succeed. So it's a much more effective way to do things. But you still have to have a target, right? Like you still have to be aiming at something. Like, cause how do you know what the system systematize or where to direct the system to? Yeah. Yeah. I think you can have broad, you know, broad targets mm-hmm. uh, and that makes sense. But the, I think there's a difference between being like, man, I'm going to make a hundred million dollars this year and being like, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start the biggest fill in the blank agency. And if we bring in a thousand clients this year using email marketing and Facebook ads and LinkedIn ads at a cost of this much, now every part of the statement that I'm making 
has a system attached to it. Yep. And if you yep. can, if you can do that, then that's something that takes work, but it's far more effective than being like, dude, we're going to make a hundred million dollars this year. Okay. Well, that's great, buddy. <laughs> Let me know how that goes for you. You know? Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. So then yeah. the Amazon thing came along, right? And uh, yeah, obviously an opportunity, but there's a lot of people that hear stories about it and have, you know, invested in probably the wrong people and, or they yeah. haven't, they've invested in money and they haven't done what they needed to do, whatever it was. Right. And then they blame somebody else. So can you give us a breakdown, an overview of what you do with that? And then uh, how, kind of how it works? Sure. Yeah. So I've been doing this since 2009. And sometime before then, you know, we got to remember Jeff Bezos was not always who he is now. He was not always the richest man in the world. People saw him as kind of the Silicon Valley geek. And I remember that you'd be able to email Jeff Bezos, Jeff at Amazon.com. He'd answer <laughs> and you'd be able to get him on the phone if you needed to. We heard through the grapevine that Jeff was opening up the platform to third-party sellers. What's that mean? That means that anybody like me, you, anyone that's got a business, any mom and pop can go out there and sell whatever they want to on this platform that previously was just books and CDs and stuff like that. So I said, okay, cool. I had a, a brain supplement at the time called Accelerol. I still have it that we were selling. And I was like, wow, this is a high-end supplement. It's 120 bucks. Eh, I got to figure out a way to sell. It. Let me put it on Amazon. Took 15 minutes, put it on there, went to sleep, didn't think much of it. Woke up the next day to thousands of orders at 120 bucks, hundreds of thousands of dollars Damn. overnight. You didn't, have to, you didn't have to market at all. It was just putting it on nope. Amazon. Yeah. And in those days, Amazon was bringing eyeballs to you. You're buying ads because it didn't matter to them. As long as you were, but they didn't care what you were buying. As long as you're buying it on Amazon there, yeah, cause it was customer acquisition time for them. They were building out. So I thought, wow, this is amazing. Let me look into this Bezos guy. And what I started to realize is that Bezos was not a chump. He was not just a Silicon Valley nerd. He was one of the smartest guys in the room. And what he had done is take money from Wall Street and put it into Silicon Valley. And he wasn't just creating a bookstore. He was creating one of the biggest disruptors in retail and e-commerce of our time. And I remember thinking to myself, man, he's going to be creating more millionaires and billionaires than any other disruptive platform that we know today. So I learned how to sell on Amazon, mastered Amazon, and had over 300 different products on there. Big corporations, Fortune 50s, Fortune 500 started coming to us, asking us to do it for them. I started doing it for them. And then individuals started coming to me and asking me, hey, man, I want to sell on Amazon. Uh, how do I do it? And I said, well, you can't really afford me because we're, we charge too much. It's mainly for company, but why don't I make a course? So I created a course and it's not get rich quick. It's not get rich overnight. It's foundational thinking, like you were talking about building foundational wealth. And I teach people, you know, you got to have those foundations. You got to invest yeah. in cash flow positive real estate. You got to have money compounding in the market. You got to do all that stuff. But why not have one of your pillars, one of your four foundations, an e-commerce business? Because right now, real estate, we know throughout all over the country is through the roof. Maybe not a good time to be buying single family. Maybe not. Maybe it's better to wait a little bit on that. But the one piece of real estate that you can buy, that you can start with very little investment, capital investment, and huge possibility of return on the back end is starting an Amazon business and creating a private label product and selling it on there. Now, Sirak, you were talking about there's a lot of Amazon guys out there. And it's funny because in kind of this like TikTok, Insta culture that we live yeah. in, the dudes, check out my Lamborghini, bro. Check out this, hey, you know, you know get this, this course, do that thing. It's the flavor of the month. 
And everybody is jumping on it. A lot of those guys sell like drop shipping programs where they're like, you'll never have to see a product. You find something that's selling. That stuff doesn't work. What works is creating a product, making a plan uh, that brings value to the world, finding a niche where the competition is weak and coming in and using tools. It could be a proven system like ours or somebody else's system or something that you learn on your own using masterminds. Like we have a mastermind within our thing. I know you have one too, C-Rock. So using the power of masterminds, using the power of mentorship and building a business that's built to last. And now we're seeing companies sell for, for many multiples of what brick and mortar businesses are selling. Amazon businesses are some of the hottest businesses going, and we're still on day one, as Jeff Bezos says. This is still the ground floor. So if you're looking for you know, get rich quick, you know, put some money in something and double it, you know, maybe go to crypto. I know nothing about that stuff. I've got friends who do that. But if you're looking to build foundational wealth over time, get yourself involved in e-commerce and have that be one of the pillars of creating predictable recurring revenue. That's what I would say. And so at first they did marketing for you, they would drive traffic and they let off the, the pedal with that now. So you have to really have a background in marketing now, right? And be able to create traffic and drive traffic to you where you're going. No, you don't have to have a background in marketing. We teach that. And by the way, I have a, a one-hour course. It's normally 200 bucks. For everybody who's listening to CROC's show, I'm going to give it to you guys for free if you use the code CROC. And I'll give you my email if that's okay, CROC. Yeah, yeah, do it far away, whatever. Darkzess at gmail.com. D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S at gmail.com. Email me, use the code CROC. I'll give you the one-hour Amazon crash course, everything you need to know, how to find a product, how to get reviews, all the most common questions for free. It's normally 200 bucks. Let's just give it to them for free. Uh, use the code Thank CROC you. so I know where you came from. We're going to give it to you guys for free. But yeah, it's not too late to do it. And I think to your point, you have to be able to, you have to, be able to put the work in in order to make it work. You have to work it. There's no easy answers. There's no, you know, you don't have to have a background in marketing, but what you do have to to have is a willingness, a willing, you don't have to have a background in marketing, but what you do need to have is a willingness to learn how to influence people. And that's what we teach. Like Professor Caldini's five pillars of influence, now six, you need to know what the levers are that you can put pressure on to achieve those results. And on Amazon, it's very formulaic. Gotcha. And so as we wind up here, first of all, thank you for being here again. Appreciate your, your, uh, all the content that you're providing here, all the information. What are you, I didn't hear any failures that you had in this conversation yet. So, oh, and, and again, yeah. I look at failures as good things. They're opportunities for adjustments, not excuses, as John Maxwell told me last week. <laughs> sure. Can you tell us, like, was this a constant journey of adjustments as you got into the Amazon world or? Yeah, well, getting into the Amazon world, of course, you know, that first product was a success, but we had several others where, you know, Amazon was like, whoa, you know, we're not going to allow these products on the platform. And so we had to adjust. We had, you know, Amazon did this big wipe of reviews. So I had products that had tens of thousands of reviews back in the day. And Amazon came in and just wiped clean those reviews. And one morning, all of us Amazon sellers woke up to looking at our accounts, our beautiful accounts with like tens of thousands of reviews going, holy, you know what? Like there's zero reviews. And we had to start over from the beginning. 
So a lot of a lot of it, and I've had some huge failures back in the ecstasy days that I, you know, again, I talk about in my book Billion, how I became king of the thrill pill cult, which is on Audible and Amazon, if anybody's interested in those stories, all the way to to present day, um, where I think the important thing isn't how many failures that you have, but rather that the successes that you do have far outweigh the failures that you have. So having several small failures that you take and you tweak and you change and you make improvements on, that's the path to success. That's, I don't even see that as a failure. But having that, that lead you to those one or two successes that make all your failures seem insignificant in retrospect, that's the key. Man, I could talk to you all day. I want to honor your time. We're eight minutes over. I apologize for that. It's on me. But I appreciate you being here, man. And guys, go check him out. Shaheen, Cheyenne, get his book, The Thrill Pill King, man. Billion, how he became the king of the thrill pill. Go check it out. And also, he gave you that, uh, that offer as well for that free opportunity to look into the Amazon situation, man. Guys, check it out and, and understand that you're not going to get rich quick. Anything that comes quick will go quick too. And I'm your boy, C-Rock. Thank you so much for joining us. Shaheen, thanks for being here. And guys, keep coming back. Keep coming back. The more you hang out with me, the more you hang out with my guests, you will elevate. You will be coming closer to unstoppable. So until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.